Welcome, everybody, to the Black Prospector podcast, Black Prospector show. We all about digging for gold, and we all still in our kind of middle age, still trying to dig for gold. And today, we're going to dig for gold in the music industry. Now, I've been looking forward to this show for, man, really for years, I got to say, but we've been talking about it heavily for the last few months. And then now it's really been picking up steam because we have a new face here on the show that y'all get to meet. And so we'll start out with our esteemed guest for today. We'll call him Dwayne, but he's joining <laughs> us today. Um, you know, me and this brother go way back to junior high and then, or actually before junior high, really. Um, and then, you know, I've learned about his love and appreciation for music over the last few years. And then y'all know, we've always alluded to it a little bit about Marcus's love for music down there in Brazil. And we, we keep saying, we're gonna do a show about music. We keep throwing it out there to everybody. So now that day is here. And then y'all gonna realize the expertise and depth of knowledge that the youngster on the team T-Real can bring. Y'all know how it is. It's like, you know, the Temptations or the Four Tops, one of those old groups, all the like 60-year-old men still coming out. And then they always got that one new young guy on there, the fresh voice. He's that you new young guy that's on the team dancing with us. We're trying to keep up with him a bit. So as always, like, subscribe to the channel. Again, I'm moving everything over from Midlife Manhood, from Furious Styles. We're moving it over here to Black Pros Prospector as I start just trying to get everything in, in one spot. I know, you know, for people, I, I always try to segment things for the audience because I know I got my fitness stuff that I like. I have my social stuff that I like. And you know, I like the music stuff, but you know, look, it's, this is how it is in social media now. Everything needs to be in one place for people to find you. So we're just split it out on the channel. But the good part is I know it's a lot of cats our age because again, I'm looking for that. My, my main audience that I'm always trying to talk to, particularly black men at around that age, and we'll just say 40 to 60. So if you're younger than that, stick with us because T-Real gonna bring that young energy and really apply this to for young hip hop and young music. But if you part of that, that era that's a little bit older than us, where you were into 70s music, you were into the funk, if you, now I'm not saying we're going back to like my dad's day and age or doo-wop and stuff like that in the 60s. We're not going quite that far, but watch, we're going to make some connections. I know these brothers are going to make some connections with it. And of course, I'm going to say, if you were a pop music fan, you're going to get educated today. If your extent of knowledge on music was like, oh yeah, I remember Michael Jackson's Thriller. I, and I, yeah, I love that Prince that when, you know, that movie Purple Rain, if that's, if you only listen to music, if you lived in Detroit and you live, you listen to 97.9, uh, 98 WJLB, if that was your, your, your main station or you listen to 96.3 or all those other stations like that, you're about to get an education today on the music industry and of the rap. Because I remember in what, the late eighties, we had Billy T and the DMZ, you know, that was where we heard some real old school hip hop. And so today, these guys, especially, you know, I told them my job is just to keep the ball rolling. That's why I'm talking while I can now. So I'm not gonna be able to say much when we get going. So my job is just to get the ball going because we're gonna go in about music. And, and this is gonna probably be a series of shows because I know we're gonna talk about so many different things. 
if we touch guys, if we touch a little bit, because we didn't talk about it before this, if we touch a little bit on the music business itself, you know, as a Tribe Call Quest, do you still want to be in the business and you think that it got what it takes? You know, it's, we, that's going to be a whole other episode, but I'm sure that's going to come in. But today we're just going to do a little surface level, talking about the music industry, talking about some of the artists, some of our favorite music. We're going to lay the foundation for future talks. That way you can go check out this video to really see where everybody's coming from with a genre and what they like most. So with that introduction, I'm going to go around. First, I'm letting T-Real start us out <laughs> because he's Let gonna get a word in. He's going to get the word in. Then we're going to come to Dwayne and then Marcus, we're coming to you. So for an introduction, let's start out. T-Real, give me your favorite artist why is he or she or the group your favorite artist and what you dig listening to now and maybe what started your real love for music and then we'll throw it over to Dwayne. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a, a good, uh, a good question. So <laughs> I'll say, I came to you uh, first. You're supposed to be right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'll say my favorite. If I had to, if I had to go ahead and pick. Um, artists who would probably end up being Nas. Um, and that was just a lot of that influences the fact that you know, my father was a huge Nas guy. That's his, his guy. And, um, you know, middle name being Nazir. Um, so there's another connection with that. And then just by the, the fact that his, the fact that his, his lyrics, versus his speech. If you hear him talking in interviews, so how do you even talk? <laughs> how do you how do you write this? Somebody's writing this for you because you can't even talk in complete sentences after time, especially in his younger days. But now um, I would say Nas have to be my favorite artist. Um, and nowadays, a, a lot of my music I'm listening to is it's just jazz, smooth jazz, and um, gospel. Um, I still, I still have my R&B and rap and all that stuff, but that's pretty much what I'm on now. Um, I guess I got into it. My father's always been a, a music head, you know, so always been in kind of his his era being the '90s. So I was introduced all into the R&B of um, man, SWV, uh, all the new edition, the Mint Condition. Boys and men, all of them. So, you know, that was how I got influenced. Obviously, Nas, big pop. He wasn't really a big pop fan. Bob Deep, stuff like that. Um, Queensbridge. <laughs> uh, everybody, everybody in there. Um, you know, and then after that, I always listened to my grandparents, right? Who, especially grandfather, who's always on the 60s, 60s was the best time. There's no other time that can be discussed than the 60s. So <laughs> that's how I, I went all the way back there. And I was like, man, this stuff is pretty good. And, you know, I just started trying to grow my catalog from there. And really since high school um, was when I started to really dive into it. So I say that's my introduction. Good. Dwayne, what about you? I feel like I'm on a work call. I got to come off mute. Uh, so I, I'm going to try to follow the rules here and um, I'll be more mindful of my time, but I'll answer your question first. So okay. if you had to put it to just picking one artist, 
I probably would have to say my favorite artist of all time is Prince. Um, if not Prince, um, also I would, again, when you say artist, because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, because of my love for music, it's often hard for me to pinpoint to one thing. So um, also in that group of favorite artists, I would put um, Chardet. And then again, if we talk artists, um, I'd also include in there, um, uh, and I'm trying to do this in a way that makes sense. I'm going to put Sting in there as well, Sting from mm. the police. Um, and if you go groups, um, and Dev already knows this, um, he's wearing his Fat Boy shirt, but my collection of T-shirts is De La Soul. I am a De La Soul fan through and through. Um, it probably is borderline obsessive at times, but we'll, mm. we'll get into that a little bit as we go along. And then the other um, person I would put in that group, and I think it's timely, and we'll talk about more of this because this is important to even some of the things that have transpired between me and Dev over the last few, I'll say a few months and weeks, um, Sly Stone. And so I'll leave it with those. And um, Sly Stone, let's consider that the plant for everything that I'm going to kind of jump off from as, uh, as we unfold the rest of this, this time together tonight. Wow. All right. What really got you into music? What, what was really your jump off point? So, so it, it, it goes in phases. The very first song I ever really remember, and I actually, <clears throat> fortunately, was able to get this. So I started collecting vinyl again about maybe two or three years ago, and I was able to get the um, uh, so old days. I love music. Mm -hmm. And I, it's very funny to me because that's the earliest memory I have of hearing a song on the radio. And I actually recall being on the way to like preschool or daycare, whatever you would have called it then, with my dad. So I have that memory of that song, what I was doing at that time. And as you know, luck would have it, it's a song about, you know, the lyrics just go, I love music, any kind of music. So there's that. And then the next big one is when I first heard Controversy. Mm. Um, I don't pretend to be like one of these people like, well, I was the Dirty Mind album. I remember when it dropped. I remember when Controversy came out. I remember everything around that album. And that is the one that I feel like marks like number two. Then I would say when I discovered De La Soul uh, in high school, um, like I discovered them, but you know what I mean? Those are probably the three most significant uh, jump off points, if you will. I'm thankful because this was not planned, people. I did not know he was going to say Prince. So without further ado, <laughs> we gonna pan it over to Marcus. <laughs> did not know he was gonna say Prince. <laughs> that worked out perfectly. Well, 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 what have we here? Um, oh man, I, I really don't know where to start after he after that. <laughs> okay, well, if I have to narrow down, because as you know, I, I, my music, what I love in my music, it, it really has yeah. no borders. I started experimenting all over the world, music from Egypt. You know, I got music from India. I got music from just about <laughs> just a lot of places. But um, I have to echo what he said. Uh, even though there's been a lot of artists before Prince Rogers Nelson, you know, when you're from Detroit, you're going to know a little something about Prince because of Mojo. Just the whole Detroit vibe, you're going to be into Prince in some kind of way. 
Um, but let me just, okay, first, let me put this out. Of, let me get this out of the way first. So before I get into Prince, I also want to give mad props to one of my favorite female artists is Michelle Indigale Cello. This is an artist who I feel like she's just never gotten her just due. I don't know if this woman ever even received a, a gold record. I can't even say, but I've followed her career since she debuted like in 92, 93. She appeared on the John Cougar Mellencamp album. She got a Grammy nomination from there and just she's almost like a female prince to me in a way. Um, but let me so let, let me touch on Prince Rogers Nelson for a minute, because I remember in that period in the late 70s and early 80s. Matter of fact, when we talk about earliest memories of music, I have to go all the way back and start talking about stuff like uh, Rock the Boat. I have to talk about stuff like uh, what is that other song? Uh, damn, there was a song. I just introduced my kids to this song, uh, Fly Robin Fly. Brief uh, connection. Uh, oh, peace. Silver Connection. Yes, yes, there it is. Okay. Uh, Kung Fu Fighting. These are just memories that I just have as a little kid, right? And I remember being a little kid and I must have been about seven or eight years old and I picked up an album with the Jackson 5 on it. And I saw this little kid singing and I didn't know the album was 10 years older. I thought this kid was my age. Like, no, Michael Jackson is eight, 17, 18 now at the time, but he looked like me. I'm like, so, you know, the Jacksons, that was one of Jackson 5 was one of those first big bam moments. They some of their first albums, you talked about Sly Stone. They covered some Sly Stone stuff. They covered a George a George Clinton song on one of their first albums. That really got me moving because this group looked like kids in my neighborhood. No, right. I, no, now, I, when we talk I, about I, Prince, those first few years, <laughs> I, I didn't discover the soft and wet his first album until much years later. But though I want to be your lover album. I didn't even know about the Dirty Mind album until a couple of years later. Um, by the time middle school was around, I was familiar with controversy, but I still wasn't a Prince fan yet. It wasn't until I went down south. I heard you guys talking about down south. I had these two female cousins and they were just like Prince groupies. They had the controversy album cover uh, poster. They had a poster in there and they had it on the wall. They had all of his albums. So by the time I got back home in the summer of 82, going into the fall, 1999 came out that year and I was totally hooked. And I come to find out that uh, Prince was behind the time. He was behind Vanity Six. He would go on to produce Sheila E. I, I became just like fascinated with Prince. And then it, years later, I come to discover like, no, Prince is not what you think. It's like you come to discover not only is this guy singing, he's playing all the instruments himself by himself and mixing it together. I'm like, what? Nobody's doing that. Well, Sly did this. Uh, Sly's bass player, Larry Graham, did this. I would find out years later, but that blew me away. Like, how does somebody do that? Um, but then after that, Prince led me to other artists. Prince led me, Prince gave me kind of an education because when you learn where his influences were, it takes you back in time. You have to get into James Brown, which I was already into. You have to get into Sly. You have to get into Funkadelic, Parliament Funkadelic. You have to get into a little bit of Jimi Hendrix. Prince led me to Carlos Santana. Just yeah. music just keeps revolving. I love to find out what artist influences are because then I might end up liking that artist too. I'm going to end that there because then if I keep going, I'm going to have to go into hip hop and that's a whole nother thing. But I'm going to start right now and say my favorite artists are Prince Rogers Nelson and Michelle Indigale Cello. All right, all right. And just to keep it even for myself, 
uh, I'll have to say my favorite artist right now, and it's recently changed, mm. which is kind of surprising because I'm like, wow, I'm like Neely Fuller. I'm still learning. You think I wouldn't like anybody new, but mm. I am that, and it's, I guess we'll count them as a group really, Foreign Exchange. Okay. Uh, that right now is, I mean, they, everything that they put out, I've like immediately tried to get, I'm, I'm building the catalog, everything that launches, anybody connected, so everybody, mm-hmm. you know, I always love Fonte anyway, a little brother, but now it's just on a whole other level. So I'm going to, I'm going to make that a little bit more current, but I probably have to, like you said, it's always hard to narrow it down. Um, well, I'll take that back. If I had to say my all time favorite probably would still go back to the time. And the reason why it goes back to the time is simply because it it goes back to my what what got me a little bit into music because I wasn't allowed to Wayne to probably relate to this. I wasn't allowed to listen to secular music growing up. So it's like, you know, when when your parents don't let you listen to secular music, I would have said the whinings, but <laughs> up until I turned 16, <laughs> stop laughing, T-Real, because I would have said the <laughs> and gospel and Praise and worship was the only music I knew until mm. I got introduced to the Fat Boys by my friend Robert and this new thing called beatboxing. And so I was even late to the rap game. Um, so by the time I really started digging music and the fact that I went to a majority white high school didn't help because I knew more about uh, Billy Idol. I knew more about like what Dwayne mentioned, Sting. You know, I knew more about those groups even than I necessarily knew about black groups. So by the time we really get to Amada High School, now I'm really digging the time. And now I'm digging that whole Minneapolis sound. And so to this day, I'll probably say overall, it's still my all time favorite because I know more about them than anything else. And if what got my love for music, I would still probably have to say the whinings. Um, because even though I was not into secular music, it was already, I guess, I'm, I never played an instrument, but my dad played the keyboard and would love to sing. So they, the whiners kind of had that whole 60s group vibe going on without the dancing. Um, and it was probably the first time I started just picking up on the different sounds. They were beginning to change and were beginning to mess around, you know, as, as the Christian was called them, they started getting worldly doing right. songs with, uh, you know, uh, Anita Baker and others. And that yep. got me started. So let's get this off the table first before we jump into the main topic because I don't want to run out of time without talking about some of the deaths we've had mm. in the music industry as of late. Mm. So again, I come back around to you, T-Real. Um, and I know this might be a little bit before your time because you might be like, man, why are all these folks tripping out you know, about folks dying? Well, because they were icons or I, maybe I shouldn't use that term depending on what a fan you were. For me, Prince Marky D, that was significant, mm. but you know, for somebody else, if they were really into, you know, digital underground, then Shock G being gone. Uh, Terrell, anything you want to chime in on, even just with a lot of the, you know, uh, people passing away, DMX, obviously, and anything you want to chime in on those, and then we'll keep the circuit going around, you, then Dwayne, then Mark. Yeah, I mean, so as far as, for me, the only one that would be kind of relevant, for me, would be D. Uh, Rough Riders and them. He, um, I think he was pretty underrated. 
I mean, especially from my era, I know a lot of it had to do with Rough Riders. They came on the back of around the same time that um, Jay came aboard and it was him running with, um, what's his face on his name, escapes me. Um, it was Ja Rule, DMX, and and, and Rough Riders. Yeah, yeah. But I was trying to think of the, the, um, label that they had spun off was what's his um jay-z's dude him and him had dash right oh they okay gotcha exactly so when they came aboard because everybody was trying to fight over who's going to take over big spot essentially so um you know i he's very underrated guy and then uh, unfortunately a lot of times when somebody passes away they, you know, a lot of people run behind, like, they just get in the mode, right? Everybody's like, oh, he's meant so much and all this stuff. And they can only <laughs> really point to about three songs, you know, and it's unfortunate because the three songs that they really point out aren't his best songs, you know? So um, that to me, you know, like I said, it is mainly the fact that you know, he's definitely, definitely a legend, had his own his own thing that he he did. I wouldn't say he's top 20 and all that, but um, he definitely had his own style. He kept true to what he wanted to do and nobody was getting him off of that. And uh, and he definitely made a lot more to me when I seen um, Belly. Obviously, Nas was in that too. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's when it, it made, uh, it connected a lot even more dots for that, so. How about you, Dwayne? <clears throat> oh, the Jeffs uh, have been really bad. I'll I'll take the moment to take a sidestep. One of the reasons Prince falls in there uh, when we talk about people that pass away. Five um, years. Yeah, it's five years and two days. Uh, just because I kind of uh, a couple things that have come up in my memories from Facebook. So I legitimately I know this now because I I can look back. I know that I went into like a form of depression for about a month after he passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, because and we can that. I can probably talk about that for almost a whole show. And it goes back to um, Let's do it. what it meant when he came, when he came in, what he did. And I, I'm going to put a pin in that one because I want to get back to hip hop. So the way it, I'm going to always remember it, and I hope it's the hemorrhaging stops like now, mm. um, it's going to go like this. Um, Ecstasy, mm. MF Doom, Prince Marky D, DMX. Black Rock, Shock G. And like I said, I hope it, it stops there because it like, and, and to um, Terrell's point, I am one of those people who did um, for many years underrate DMX. And it goes back to something Dev just talked about. When you have an artist who covers himself in blood and, and has the imagery that you've been taught, like, you can't oh. do that devil stuff. Like he was, but he what he was doing is he was actually illustrating things in a way that was meant to bring you in and then kind of almost minister to you. It's, it's just kind of this really odd <clears throat> dichotomy. And so um, my favorite song by his, and I'm not going to even pretend to try to say I'm the biggest fan or I know the catalog, but X going to give it to you. That one is, the way it starts out, the way that the music uh, picks up and he gets, it's like there's certain 
there's a way that I don't know why this happens when I hear that song, but it's almost like you, it's almost like you watch watching him getting ready to get on a bike or something. And he's, he cops on it, he kicks off, he's pedaling. And before you know it, he's just like, he's taking off. And that music and the way that he kind of found himself, like kind of um, locked into the music is just, is amazing. But like I said, I, I don't pretend to have ever been his biggest fan. And that's also at a point when the, that's like, he was coming in, he truly is a changing of the guards, especially when you think of Def Jam as the label that he was on. Um, he represented something that was, we hadn't seen and to some degree won't ever really see in the way that we saw it. Um, hmm. And so, uh, like I said, it is unfortunate that he started getting a lot of his roses after he was gone. Now, um, with Black Rob, uh, Again, he was he was the hardest out of that um, kind of that bad boy, especially post Biggie, because you have to also remember that's still in the middle of all of the flash and the like the part of hip hop that people try to like in some ways try to forget, like what Diddy did and what he didn't do and all these other kind of things. But of the ones in that grouping, the two for sure that have been the hardest are uh, MF Doom. Um, especially because there was a point where I was somewhat disconnected from new hip hop music. It had to do with um, where I was in my life with work, with kids, um, even to some degree where I was, where I was in my spiritual walk. I just wasn't listening to a lot of hip hop. And I have a friend from high school that um, we've remained friends over the years. He's huge. A shout out to my, my friend Emerson. Um, he was, he's probably my only connection to like pulling me into stuff at that time. Um, he's the one who sent me Black on Both Sides and Reflection Eternal and um, mm. uh, uh, I'm, uh, oh gosh, before Black on Both Sides and Reflection Eternal when Khalib and uh, most were together, um, uh, Black Star. Mm-hmm. So uh, like I said, when I start, I didn't get into Doom until the De La Soul album, um, The Grind Date, um, because there's Rock Cocaine Flow, which is probably one of the best hip hop songs of all times. Then I slowly started to get into Most F or Most F, MF Doom. And then I started to understand, oh, wait a minute, he's the guy from KMD and started kind of putting it together. And like what he was able to do, um, I kind of borrow something from uh, Terrell. I don't think people will ever truly understand how significant he was to hip hop, mostly because he fits that title of your favorite hip hop artist, favorite hip hop artist. Yeah. It's likely going to be MF Doom. Um, Then the last one I'll put in there is Shock G. Um, not only was he part of obviously DU, DU was label mates to on Tommy Boyd and De La Soul, so there was that connection there. And then we haven't talked a lot about this yet, but the affinity coming from Detroit for uh, uh, George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, it was like um, they embodied that. They had taken, I was just starting to kind of rediscover like the popular. Um, Parliament songs like my senior year, like in 1989, and BU came along and they were sampling it in a way that George was like, "Yeah, the more the merrier. This is a big party." 
those hip hop kids, they get it. And he kind of gave them this like blessing to say, do whatever you want to with my music. It just keeps me relevant. So I know I kind of went off in a few different tangents, but those, they have all kind of impacted a certain way. But the most recent ones with Shakti and MF Doom were definitely the hardest ones. Much you, Mark? Man, it's amazing how this guy like snatches some of my thoughts before I'm gonna say it. I'll, I'll reverse the order next time, then help you out. <laughs> no, no, no. This is cool. This is cool because you know we vibing. Um, man, he brought up Parliament Funkadelic. Let me start off before I get into the recent deaths. Um, I have to give hip hop a lot of credit for me getting exposed because. Uh, a lot of us are influenced by the music we hear in our mother, our, our father's record collections. And if your parents are not necessarily into somebody's style, you may not be familiar with that. You know, you might pick it up from one of your friends or somebody in school or something like that. So growing up as a kid, I knew P-Funk singles. I knew Knee Deep, Aqua Boogie, Flashlight. I, you know, I knew that. But it wasn't until... I had, a, you know, my friend Dave, he was a huge P-Funk fan. And when Ice Cube, N.W.A., and all of those West Coast artists started sampling all of this stuff, I didn't know all of this stuff. He was like, dog, that's another P-Funk song. They say, dog, that's Funk and Teleki. Oh, dog, that's, I'm like, really? And I'm starting to find out, like, they were sampling P-Funk's entire catalog. They were sampling stuff I had never heard of. So because of Dr. Dre, because of Ice Cube, because of N.W.A., all of those groups, I had to I had to immerse myself in the Parliament Funkadelic. And that just blew my mind. Once you get into Parliament Funkadelic, that opens you up into other types of music, right? So I wanted to get that out there first. Now, talking about the recent deaths, we'll have to do a whole episode on Prince passing, because I still remember receiving a text from my mother, like Mark. <laughs> He's not gonna believe this, right? Um, here's my thing. Out of all the people who have died recently, it's like we've seen a stream of rappers die in the last six months. But I have to agree, the two that probably affected me the most are MF Doom and DMX. MF Doom, because the same way he said that, I had distanced myself from hip hop for years. It's just, I'm not feeling this no more. I mean, I re distinctly remember when 50 Cent came out, I said, this dude is the death of hip hop. That's how I felt when I heard 50 Cent for the first time. I'm like, uh yeah I, I just i wasn't feeling it you know i have a cousin and he came to detroit one year and he was the first person i knew who had an external hard drive and he had this it, it was the size of a shoebox, and he plugged it up on my computer he was like dude i'm about to drop this so he dropped 50 gigabytes of music on my computer and i was just going through because he likes world music too he had all type alternative hip-hop all type of stuff on there and that's when one day i came across mf doom and king Ghidorah, and i'm like what is this that mm, food album got me back into hip hop. That uh, Doomsday album got me back into hip hop. I'm like, who is this dude? It, you know, it was like, this is what I'm missing from hip hop. Where where can I find more of this? So, I got all the Doom stuff. I like I like his sampling style. I like his flow. You know, when Most Def gave him props in that in that YouTube video, I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Um. I think we can all remember when we first rap snitches. I couldn't resist. I had to just, just <laughs> watching it when he's quoting it. Rap snitches get stitches. It's one of the so best crazy. videos you ever see. The craziest thing about that song is that I'm so deep off into the beats. 
it wasn't until most deaf started citing it that I was like, damn, that's what he said. Because sometimes I get lost in the beats and I don't pay attention to what the lyrics are saying. And I'm like, damn, he did say that. And he actually did a snippet on that on the boondocks, really, because of the rappers snitching on each other. Anyway, I think we all can remember how we got turned on to a particular artist. And I have a friend back in Detroit. He lives in Minnesota right now. He's lived there for about a decade, but he exposed me to DMX, his first CD. And from cover song, sometimes you have cover and filler material in an album. That first album was just bomb from beginning to end because this dude has such a different flow. He has such energy, that gruff sound. I'm like, I never heard nothing like that, right? But the other thing that connects me about DMX, and this is really important to me, and me and Dev talked about this earlier this week, learning this man's story, right? That we can't look at the artist as just the artist. The, the artist and their experiences is what makes them who they are. And I got a whole different understanding of DMX after he died. I mean, some of the stuff I already knew, but as I started hearing other rappers telling stories about him, I watched a couple documentaries. I'm like, I can't judge this man. You know, he was the stick up kid. He made a living robbing people. But then when you understand that his mother abandoned him, when you understand that his male role model is the one who got him hooked on crack. It, it, it kind of changes the story for me. And what I'm saying is DMX's story is so important because how many black males are growing up in that same scenario where they don't have a father in the home, the mother doesn't know how to deal with them, the streets become, the streets raise them. And so it's like, DMX is a loss to me because I think his story resonates so much for what happens in the black community. And the other thing that resonates with me about DMX is that hip hop is such a male dominated art form. And how many times I've seen this, this hardcore rapper break down and cry on stage and not being afraid of I'm still a man and men can cry when it's necessary. I was like, that, that blew me out. That really touched me. Um, and one thing I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna leave that and then I'm gonna, we can pass around again, but somebody said something in a documentary this week that I was watching about him and they really summed it up really well. He says, after DMX got dumped by his mother, he was still Earl at the time. He was still a vulnerable kid. And at that point, DMX grew in him. DMX had to protect Earl Simmons. That blew me out how they put it that way, because that so explains the personalities and the and the, the the conflicts that this person had within his own soul, right? So I'm gonna leave that there. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay, so now no. I guess I'll just chime in on my part, and I'll say oh, I have a hard time. Yep, there, there you go. Thanks, see. Yeah, if you can mute yourself for a bit, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, I think I, I feel almost bad that I don't have enough of an appreciation for DMX, um, yet it's one of those tripped out parts because it's like, if I go back and if I hear a DMX song, it's like, oh yeah, I like that. Oh yeah, I like that. But like both of y'all alluded to, I had this period of my life where I totally just knew nothing about hip hop. And I'll go back to when I was uh, in college, I had this one class, you know, I had this real cool teacher and I think it was like part of African-American literature or something like that. And he was a new teacher. so. You know, he was young, and so he started talking about hip-hop lyrics. And he brought up, I think it was most deaf song, Mr. Nigga. 
and oh man i was like where that song yeah and it was he started talking about most death the roots and i had been out of hip-hop for so long i wasn't even familiar with these groups anymore and this was back in like 2002 2003 so for me it was like hip-hop ended right when dmx really came in and started taking off and so i felt like i missed out on a lot of dmx you know black rob was another i was like i, I don't even know who he is and probably because he was, especially if he was rolling with Puff Daddy, you said 50 Cent was like the time you knew the hip hop, that was the death of hip hop. For me, the smoking gun, the dude who had the smoking gun in his hand of killing hip hop was P Diddy, Puff Daddy. It was, it was like, once we got to that point, I'm like, it's done. So Black Rob was another one that I, I didn't know anything about. And then I think what really got me with ecstasy, again, as I said, Prince Marky D, and then now Shock G, I guess what really bothers me is like an MF Doom. I, I, let me tie that in the MF Doom because Mark, you turned me on to MF Doom. Mm -hmm. And if I wouldn't have heard about Most Deaf again, I wouldn't really appreciate MF Doom. But, you know, Dwayne, you hit it. It was like your favorite rapper's favorite rapper is MF Doom. <laughs> so then it's like I started when I would watch different documentaries of people talking they was always quoting Doom, talking about how bad he was and the bars he put together. It's like, okay, I need to check out this dude more. So, you know, thanks, Mark, because you turned me on to him. But I think what bothers me with all of these cats dying, I mean, even if we go back to Heavy D, et cetera, it's like, man, all these folks are around my age. Mm -hmm. So when you don't necessarily, you know, we never know why that, you know, these cats died. I mean, it's easy to look at the human beatbox who, you know, they said he weighed maybe 600 pounds when he passed away or 500 pounds. That's, really? Yeah, that's an easy one. Mm. Um, it's like, okay, he was big. Or, you know, you have people who pass away, we think a guru, you know, folks who pass away, it's like, okay, an anomaly, we all know health problems, maybe not heart attacks, we at that age. But man, when you just got this many in a row, mm -hmm. that's where it's like, wow, and you realize and I'll stop it here because it's it's just a sign of the times that we in. I know, and T Real can probably, you know, maybe appreciate this or at least pick this up from us. Go today or tomorrow and start looking for their music on Amazon. And you see the price goes up mm -hmm. like that. And that's where it really makes you mad. And I told my kids this. You laugh because I, I will like order CDs. Why are you ordering a CD? I'm like, because I want something tangible. Right. You have an MP3. Exactly. That MP3, first of all, you took it from another, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, what everybody uses. Um, goodness, see, I go, I'm really sounding old now. What's that thing they use? Um, but, but not Pandora, but the other big one where they get a lot Spotify. of- Spotify. Spotify. Yeah, they, they get it from Spotify. And then mm -hmm. it's like, okay, but you still don't own it. Right. And so yep. Somebody, when someone dies, a legend dies, you start going on Amazon or wherever else to find this music. Folks want an arm and a leg. And the common price I'm finding on there listed, as crazy as it sounds, $900. Yeah. People have been selling stuff like $995 or $900. And I think they're playing tricks to get people to think it's $995. You click exactly. on it, ordering it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or a thousand dollar album <laughs> and part of it with for sure it's going to be an issue with digital underground is them being on tommy boy um and de la soul's saga with tommy boy is well documented mm. it in particular over the last few years 
And um, it, you, you bring up a good point and it, it drives me crazy, but I fall into it. So like they were saying something like DMX's streams went up like 986% mm-hmm. over um, like that two week period. And like I said, um, it's tough because I was, I was at an awkward place with hip hop at the time when he came along and it, it took me until probably maybe, maybe about five years ago to start to realize like he kind of has a catalog of a few songs I actually do like. Mm -hmm. And then when you kind of bring forward what happens here, it's like, it's like we always say, you never would wish this on anybody and you know how much he means to a generation. And that's, I've always been a big proponent of every, like let each generation have their music. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like you, uh, Marcus, I was not really feeling 50 Cent. Um, I remember at that time, I wasn't listening to a lot of like secular music. And I remember I would still watch like MTV on Sunday nights just to kind of see what songs were. They would do like a little ticker. And I remember in the club, like over and over in the club was showing up as like this number one song. And I didn't even know what it was. It's like 50 Cent in the club, what is it? And I hear it and it's like, okay, I get it, it's catchy. Um, I have a lot of respect for what 50 has done, mm-hmm. but, um, what is more interesting <laughs> is, um, we haven't talked about this and we'll get to it at some point, even if not today, I have some like loose connections to Eminem. And so mm. because of like Eminem is in part, the person who really brought 50 to the forefront. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I had a little bit of a bias, like maybe I should give him a chance, but, um, uh, he was kind of peaking at the same time Kanye was. And um, the only person that I probably like more than like the folks I've uh, mentioned that I haven't talked about is Kanye. I'm a huge Kanye fan. Mm-hmm. Despite all his idiotic statements of the most recent <laughs> few years, the man was is a musical genius and he is an artist at the highest level. That's uh, We can come back to that. But really the main point I wanted to bring to you and I start taking all these sidebars is you are absolutely right for people who have made it like valuable to stream when these artists die having that vinyl even the cd probably even a cassette if they had a cassette all those things become tangible pieces to hold on to history and people want that yes and, I, and i'm gonna i'm gonna put a pin there and i'm, I'm gonna leave it on that because that's gonna be a perfect way to segue to the next part of all of this what up, dog? Young people, please, please buy the actual material. Buy, buy something tangible. Buy the CD. I mean, I know there's a debate going on when you get a, a repressed album, things like that. Uh, but at mm-hmm. least get something tangible because you don't know what's going to happen to your hard drive. You don't know what's going to happen to whatever you have on the cloud. And when you try to find this music again, We've been in that generation. We remember when everyone pulled things off of Napster and how easy that was. Don't think that it's going to be easy for you to pull something off of YouTube or somewhere else and you always going to get it. They're going to close down those loops and you want to be able to have that catalog. And as Mark would always remind me, to be able to read the liners, to be able to see, and, and Dwayne brought this up earlier, who sampled what, et cetera. And we know the amount of time that used to even be put into 
making a design for an album cover, et cetera. Oh my Don't God. take it for granted. Get the music while you can, because <clears throat> if you have an appreciation for old school hip hop, which you should, I hope you do. If your parents raised you right, you do. Then you want to have a copy of this music uh, and, and a true appreciation for it. So I'm going to stop there. Now we're going to reverse order for a second because I have to go to Mark. Mark, yeah. main topic for tonight. We've already touched and we've danced around it enough. So I know y'all ready to go. I know y'all ready to go. So let's enter the ring. I know it's like <laughs> Let's enter the ring. You said Prince is your guy. Dwayne has certainly said Prince is his guy. But in the beginning, before Prince, there was the funk. So without us watching Tales of the Tour Bus, tremendous uh, funny thing to watch if you want to know the history. Great show, by the way. Great show. Great show. I recommend it to everyone. Um, it, it, let's start with what, first of all, we started talking about hip hop. So tie in the relationship with hip hop and the funk. And I'm sure that's going to lead us to Prince. So for round one, we're going to oh go around God. again, starting with you, then Dwayne, then T-Real, starting with you. And then we're going to come back to Prince specifically. But right now, what's the relationship? Why should every hip hop head, every so-called rap fan, even if they love the new stuff that's out now, why do they need to pay homage to the funk? First of all, got to define oh what <clears throat> is the funk? Oh my God, Dev. You trying to stay you trying to stay up to three in the morning, man, for real. It's later look, <clears throat> look, excuse me, but before I even get into that, because we didn't circle and I had something I had to piggyback of what okay, go ahead. <laughs> brother man said. Man, I come from a 70s era where I used to like having album covers. I mean, you got this big album cover. And if you bless with cover art like those Funkadelic album covers, a little CD, a little cassette tape, and definitely not an MP3 player is just not going to cut it. It's not going to cut opening up that album and getting this huge uh, uh, page of just lyrics on it. And you getting the whole breakdown of all the musicians. It just, you can't beat that. Now, <clears throat> other thing I want to touch on that you brought up. <sighs> The first time I saw this was when Whitney Houston died. And when she died, her music just, the price of her, sky, her music skyrocketed, right? But the other thing that set me up, we're not going to go down this slope today because this is not the genre. This is not the time. But I've done a lot of research on musicians. And whereas years ago, I would just believe what the media was telling us. I, you come to find out that a lot of these people are being murdered. And this is a discussion that's going on about DMX right now. A lot of people believe he was actually murdered. That's not something I'm going to get into right now. But, <clears throat> but where I'm going with this is, we, I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm somebody who can't just have an MP3. I have to have the album. I have to have a CD. I want, I've been buying vinyl again. So I really appreciate vinyl. Um, now, let me move off into another topic. Because when we start talking about music, and we start talking about rights. If we get into funk and we get into hip hop and we get into Prince, one thing that there was a time in the mid 80s where Prince 
really did not like hip-hop he made diss records against hip-hop he had this song i called dead on it on the black album he was making fun of rappers he was like this is not they they can't do what i do and but as prince's music became passe and he couldn't keep up with the production standards because because hip-hop moved into his field the new jack swing moved in and pretty soon prince was having a problem just going gold to the point where he had to start mixing a little hip-hop into his sound right but what people have to appreciate about Prince is what he brought to the business because before people were taking their music online, Prince is being credited as being one of the first people to take advantage of the internet and doing this myself, right? When you can put out a triple CD that Warner Brothers did not want to do for Sign of the Times, he says, I'm going to put out a triple CD now and I'm going to make more money selling 100,000 copies than if I sold 10 million copies of Purple Rain. And he figured that out a long time ago. Now, let me move this into when we talk about hip hop and we talk about funk. This is another thing I got to give mad props to hip hop for, because as I said, we all had Philadelphia International in our house. We all had Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Earth, Moon and Fire, Commodores, all of that stuff. I was a little bit short on the funk because my parents weren't necessarily into the funk, but hip hop taught me if you're going to learn our music, you got to know where we get it from. And these guys were going to a record studio with just an MP3 player or I mean, an MPC and a, and a stack of parliament records and come out with a bomb. So we have to go there. We have to give props. This is why we like something like who sampled who, because it lets you know that that's the foundation of hip hop. And where I'm going to go after that is that I also have to thank hip hop for expanding me to start moving off into jazz. Now, me and Deb, we've had this discussion about what I consider to be jazz and was smooth instrumental jazz, which is not really jazz to me, but okay. But I appreciate that because in the late 80s, early 90s, I was more into West Coast funk. It was a few brothers that I ran into when I was still working at our favorite supermarket that introduced me to how hip hop was mixing in these jazz sounds like, wow, they got me ready to make that transition over into real jazz. So that's something that I really appreciate about hip hop, particularly now that we can find the samples. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Who's next? All right, Dwayne, you up? What? 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 Are you um, okay, so this is—I'll try to make this as succinct and quick as possible because it's tough. So um, probably the first exposure to it um, was because of where my parents were in their walk and when they started to kind of cut us like off from secular music. So probably like the one I can remember best first is um, Earth, Wind, and Fire because uh, I'm going to put them as a precursor not to the true funk but there is a there there's a evolution that comes about so um songs like serpentine fire and september and all like all that stuff but truly the thing was flashlight there's something that i remember when that song was first released oh my god and i can remember even when aqua boogie came out or uh you know what i'm talking about when that came out it was like oh this is but the one I usually, um, and when you become like a, a music snob, you go, oh, ask somebody what their favorite print song is. And even like you've already, like when I say mine, Marcus is going to look at me and go, eh, so he's really not a true fr- Prince fan. But like, you're not going to hear me say Doves Cry or 1999. Right. So if you ha- have somebody say it and you go, yep, you like Prince's hits, you don't really like Prince. But what I want to get to 
is there's um, one nation under groove. One of the bigger pop songs, or I won't say pop songs, one of the bigger songs of that parliament uh, funkadelic sound, if you will, that is actually a really good song. I mean, hmm. it's got the melodies and all the other, the layers. And there are so many reasons why, like, like you said, I knew um, uh, Flashlight, I knew One Nation Under a Groove. When Atomic Dog came in, that was like his, you know, at that time, if you were not an artist that was making a hit every year, you weren't relevant. Mm-hmm. And so for him to come back with Atomic Dog the way that he did, like just totally, uh, and his dad alluded to on uh, uh, the tour bus series by uh, Michael Judd, or I'm saying his name wrong, but he talked, they've talked about how that song technically was a mistake. Atomic mm-hmm. Dog was technically a mistake. <laughs> it almost didn't get made and you go like if that song hadn't been available to hip-hop because even at that point I was still I didn't know how much other stuff he had but I was still being a snob because it was like well Atomic Dog that one was like super duper popular that made like the top 40 that's not as good as you know One Nation Under Groove and then I think where I really started it wasn't Dr. Dre for sure like that West Coast um, swing, if you will, that that came in G-funk. G-Funk came in to like put it in, in your face. And even with De La Soul, their biggest hit to mm-hmm. this day was still based off of a, um, a Parliament song. Mm-hmm. And not just Knee Deep. And so um, you, but when they did um, off the De La Soul is Dead album, uh, Millie pulled a pistol on Santa Claus and the song I'll Stay is like um, if you like really want to start to feel that like that vibe or the one that is one of my all-time favorites is Cosmic Slop mm. like when you hear like the the lyrics of what he's like you talk about telling a story mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like you said the the things of like the, that LR community um, there's no other like it's very rare that I can think of like maybe Brenda's got a baby where a man is telling a woman's story in a way that is so vivid and it gets with you. And one last thing I'll point out um, is this is, I've got this. Oh, dog. So, and, and here's, here's, there's a story behind this. Um, I was listening to um, like one of the satellite radio stations one day and this song comes on. The biggest song off of this one is um, uh, uh, May the Force Be With You. And I was driving somewhere, I had it on XM, and they put this song on, and they get to the bridge, and I'm going, what is this? And I knew that, like, I knew at that point, I knew Bootsy's legacy. I had never heard that song before. This is probably six years, 10 years ago, maybe. So eventually, I get it as a streaming on Apple. And my favorite like kind of thing to do is to on May 4th, like all the Star Wars people, May the 4th be with you. I've taken to trying to put this on there and May the 4th be with you. I went to look for it. It wasn't on the streaming platform. So I panicked and did what Dev did, went out, found it used somewhere. It was only about 15 bucks or so. Then I was in another record store here where I live and the guy had a, a seal version of it. And it was still, but it was like, um, kind of like what you were talking about when uh, 
it had a hole in it, which usually like meant that the record label decided mm -hmm. there was too much stock. So they like poked a hole or did something so they could re like record stores could return it. But for me, it's like, well, it missed the vinyl. It's still still, it's like, it's good. But I, again, I kind of got off track, but I brought this all in together and showed that because this was exactly what you were talking about. I was, I just thought, hey, I can just stream it whenever I want to until I couldn't. And it was like, you know what? <laughs> um, I'm going to go get that and ended up with two copies, which was probably overkill. But, you know, it, it's a good album. It's a good song. And I, I'll kind of stop there. It's always good to have backup just in case you want to sell yours. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. there's nothing wrong with that. Or I think there's going to be that level of appreciation because as we move over to T-Real next, I, I can imagine if we gave T-Real <laughs> as a gift some old music, he would appreciate it. You know, it's one of those gifts that most people be like, why are you giving me this? But, you know, our kids, et cetera, we should be able to pass some of those things down to them. And I told mine, y'all won't appreciate it until I'm gone. And it'll probably be even years after that where you'll be like, wow, I'm so glad he gave us this music and they better not sell it or give it away. But anyway, mm, T-Real, mm, mm. over to you, man. Well, obviously now the generation gap is surely gonna come into play. <laughs> um, a lot of the funk was just me listening or watching old movies and shows. I'm like, oh, that sounds very good. And stuff from the 70s and 80s and, and all of that. Um, what, what robot <laughs> when that came around i was like oh, i see everybody jamming out to this stuff and i was like oh this is this is nice um so i mean yeah i have a few probably songs from george Clinton, a few from parliament when i say few probably like three a piece um and then after that goes into kind of a little bit away from um, funk, and it's kind of like that earth, wind, and fire tip, and then starts to go um, cool in the game, and starts to go more towards that jazz sound in some some respects as well. Um, so I, I, that's pretty much my my touch. And then obviously, well, not obviously, I picked up the the drums, um, and that's what had me get further back into also like more live music, live sound, actual instruments and not necessarily 808B or track, you know. Um, and then I'm picking up the piano, um, you know, so I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go ahead and go even farther into it. That's my, uh, my experience. <laughs> I think at your age, I think you probably still have most people be that, especially at your age, because I don't think anybody really has that same appreciation. So now we're about to really get ready, man. We're about to really take you down. Hold your breath because we're about to go underwater. Mark, mm -mm -mm -mm. let's move on now to the impact of the funk and Prince. You and Dwayne.